Jamil. Hey, yep. <sighs> Tough week, Jamil. Tough yeah. week. Uh, Bray Wyatt passed away. I don't know that it was unexpected to those close to him, although his father, Mike Rotunda, had alluded to Bray might be back soon. Mm-hmm. It has come out that he wound up having uh, heart issues due to COVID, and he, he leaves behind two two children and, and JoJo, who we all knew as a ring announcer, and I think we've all been fond of her. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was all cried out, and then I'm talking about this now, and it it bothers me. You had said, we, we have a go-home heat group chat, and you had said in there that you wanted to, that you felt like we needed this space, and I mm-hmm. think you are exactly right. I think that talking about people that matter to you, I was surprised at how much this bothered me, because I don't know Bray Wyatt, but he gave so much of us, we feel like we did. Yeah. Gave so much to us, of himself, and so I was going to... Um, do the intro, kick it to you. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the legendary Terry Funk for a little bit, who had a wonderful long career. And as we all know, uh, if you watched the documentary, I believe it was uh, Dark Side of the Ring or... Oh, Beyond the Mat. Beyond yeah. the Mat. Yeah. It, I mean, his last years were physically tough on him. And uh, we'll talk about him a little bit, what he meant to you and me and then we're going to talk a little bit about all in and we're going to try to do that right after this welcome to go home heat a wrestling podcast here at go home heat our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live action drama art form an art form dating back to zeus featuring lincoln and a bear and peeking with robocop and sting in the words of xavier woods the last form of theater in the round and now go home heat Okay, Jamil, um, why don't we just share your thoughts, if you don't mind? Yeah. Um, I remember I was scrolling through... Yeah, it was Insta. I was scrolling through Insta, and it popped up on my Insta feed. Um, Somebody shared a screenshot of the tweet that... Um, Triple H put up on his Twitter and I was like I was like nah <laughs> which which of course leads you over to Twitter X or whatever they're calling it this week and <laughs> um, and I, I went there and went to Triple H's page and sure enough it was like Mike Rotunda aka IRS called Triple H and told him that Wyndham Rotunda, known to us very fine and well as Bray Wyatt, had passed away. And I was just like, I was like, what? I was like, but it, I was like no, it's Bray. And, you know, um, which we'll get into, we'll get into this also as well. Um, Terry Funk had literally just passed the day before. Like, right. Before. And I was just like, I was like, wait a minute, Terry and Bray in the same week, back to back days. Mm. I was just like, yeah. Um, and Bray did a lot, you know. So Bray hit me a lot more 
because this this recent return that he had um, in 2022 when he returned um, at Extreme Rules was nothing short of a like it was. So first off, the return itself was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, how he did it, and then his first promo back. Um, and subsequent interviews after he he made it he made it more than aware to WWE and people and other people that he wanted to use this he wanted to use this time around as a platform to really um touch on how vital having good mental health can can like really serve can like really serve you well in life and he's like yeah i just i want to specifically use my platform to help really touch on that and how it affected me during the time period that i was released because remember like the the year before they released him due to quote-unquote budget cuts And, and that was when he was going that was when they were going through the whole process of you know he might start doing a bunch of stuff in hollywood um Tony was talking to him about possibly joining AEW. Um, but the, the, the scale of stuff that he wanted to do, I just don't think they, at the time, I don't think they really had the budget to really do a lot of the stuff that he wanted to do, the scale of how he wanted to do it. And then um, this was when, this was when Triple H got the reins over at WWE. Um, when um, Vince had stepped down and gave us the, I like to call it the Mark Henry tweet, should have wore a Sam Lacoste suit. And and Bray came back, and Bray was just like, yo, like, listen, in this iteration of Bray, where we do the Uncle Howdy and White Six and all of that, I really want to give them, I want to give them a lot of Wyndham. Right. Or, and um I just really I really appreciated the fact that in whatever type of iteration we got of Bray Wyatt that he made sure that he was one of if not the most memorable characters that was hitting that whatever show it was, whatever pay-per-view it was, he made sure he was one of the most memorable memorable characters. I remember I have a friend who now lives in Japan. Um, but at the time, at the time, what I'm about to bring up was going on, he was actually stationed in, in Pensacola. Um, my friend Don, Don Harris. Um, He's stationed in the Navy in Pensacola. And we used to always just send each other like videos and stuff back and forth or um, like through text messages or just what have you. And he sent me this video when NXT was like NXT of, um, he was like, yo, like, you got to check this dude out. He's just like, wait, he's just like Wailing Mercy. And like, I think you're going to like him. And it was like one of his initial promos in NXT 
when they were just like first forming the Wyatt family. And I was like, I was like, yo, I was like, this is Waylon Mercy, but it's a lot more of De Niro's character in Cape Fear. And I was just, yeah. And I was like, yo, like, what's going to happen when they bring him up? To the, I was like, what's gonna happen when they bring him up into the main roster? And so I was hooked. Like I was instant, like instantly hooked on Bray Wyatt. And um, my favorite, my favorite feud of the modern WWE era. And when I talk about modern WWE era, it's from the moment the pipe bomb happens until now is what I consider the modern era. And my favorite feud of the modern era was the Wyatt family versus the shield. Like the moment. Cause the, cause that initially started out as like a six man tag um, with Punk, Daniel Bryan, Cody, Goldust, and the Usos against the Shield and the Wyatt family. Mm-hmm. Um, because we all thought we were getting that. We all thought we were getting that at Survivor Series, and then they gave us that trash. <laughs> um, um, they gave us that trash. Oh, what was that? The CM Punk and Daniel Bryan versus um, versus the Wyatt family, and then they carry Daniel Bryan off. Right. Even though Daniel Bryan and the Wyatt family was good for a while, but you really wanted Daniel Bryan to be in the main event of WrestleMania. But I digress. They give us this big six-man tag, and there's friction on the side of the Wyatt and the Shield, and we all see it, and we're like, oh, like, you know, because for months, mm-hmm. that was the thing. Like, at least with people that I was hanging with that we were having wrestling conversations, we were like, when are they going to give us the Wyatt family versus the Shield? Because it's the two biggest stables in WWE right now. And when they gave it to us, I was just like, you know, and it was like for a while, Bray was trying to like defuse the situation, but then two weeks later, it's the thing. And then they gave, and then they initially gave it to us. Like a lot of people don't remember this. The first time that they initially gave it to us was at the Chicago Raw after Punk left the WWE after the Royal Rumble. Because it was one of the things that they were using to diffuse the crowd because the crowd was going to chant CM Punk the entire night right. during Iowa Raw. They brought Heyman out, and then they gave us The Shield versus the Wyatt family. Um, and that, that match was magic. But the Elimination Chamber match was every, like, that was the one. And that was the one where it was like, okay, they really in, they are really investing in the Wyatt family, right? And, um, 
I've had people who I know to not on multiple occasions, but on like maybe one or two occasions, have actually met Bray. Whether it be at, you know, the normal places, the Comic Cons or the wrestling cons or during house during house shows. I have a friend another friend of mine who lives in Miami. Um, his name's Gerald. Um one of the last house show tours before Wrestle before the WrestleMania match with him in LA night. Um, they went to Miami and friend had a nice he had nice seat. Um, nice front row seat. because um, you know, military personnel they always give them like Hook it's it great. Up. And um my 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 friend's a vet in the Air Force. And you sit in front row, Bray comes out. Does the lantern thing? The new the new theme music hits, and as he's walking by, he gives my he gives my friend Gerald a pound as he's walking by because I can hear his girlfriend on the other side of I mean his wife on the other side of him saying, "Oh my god, he just hit your hand!" It's like oh, he was like, "Yeah, he hit my hand." And so the match was over with, and he's walking back towards the thing, and he actually stopped. Stopped at the railing, took a picture with him, and talked to him for like three minutes. But this is still like while the show's going on. I think they were like the last match or something. But he stood with him and just talked to him for a, a couple of minutes, gave him another pound, and walked off. And I was just like, but from what I've heard from everyone, that was that's just the type of person that he was. That same Miami show, there was a um. There was a guy, his son, and his friend that was standing outside. This video has now circulated. I don't know how many multiple amounts of times since since Bray's passing. Um, but they're standing at the barricade. And Bray comes out. Bray unlocks the barricade and walks into their area. Takes a picture with the son. Remembers the son's name from like a I guess a previous house show or something that they came to um, spoke to the dad and the friend. Um, okay, y'all, and I'm gonna see y'all inside and just and just walked off. Right, and that's whether it's fans, whether it's wrestlers, whether it's WWE personnel. Everybody has said that that's how Bray, that's how Wyndham always was. That's the type of person he always was. Um, we even had him and I brief, brief, nothing like really important to like write home to your mom about, but we had a brief like back and forth on Twitter. And, um, and it was after the extreme, it was after the extreme rules return. And I was just like, yo, the extreme rules return is epic. Mm-hmm. And he put in the, he put a reply tweet. Um, wait until you see the rest. It's going to be amazing. Right. And I was like, I was like, yo, I can't, my reply, yo, I can't wait. Right. Last night was everything. And he Mm -hmm. was just like, yeah. And then, and I, he was 36. 
he died because of respiratory issues as complications due to COVID, which you end up finding out the the respiratory the respiratory issue they had was was already pre existing condition, and COVID exacerbated it. Mm-hmm. And what makes it worse is that three years ago we were saying the exact same thing about Brody. Right. And it was just, it's just like people have to realize. So, so number one, getting on, getting on the COVID soapbox, people have to realize it's, this is still really a thing. Like, right. It's not gone. Like, right. And, and then the second thing is, um, this really makes you examine your own mortality because Bray was only 36. Right. Um, Brody was only, Bro, Brody, that happened in 2020. So Brody was 41. And the reason I know Brody was 41 is because. Brody was born December 16th, 1979. How do I remember that? How do I remember that date so well? I was literally born a year later. Oh, okay. Okay. And Brody had the exact same birthday. But year apart. He's he's he is a year older. Um 41 is like cuz Brody cuz Brody passed 10 days after his birthday. Right. 41's not Mm-mm. 42. I mean, yeah, this is this is 42. Going right. On. Um 41's not that old. Neither is 36. And, and and I know you feel like you've still got so much to do mm-hmm. and accomplish. And I Bray Bray barely scratched the surface right. of what he do in the ring as a producer, because mm-hmm. you know, once he retired, that, that's that's the perfect transition for Bray, for Bray Wyatt in WWE or in any wrestling con- company to be a producer. Bray Wyatt. I always <laughs> felt like he could transition. Uh, if it's okay, is it okay if I jump in a little bit? Yeah, you're fine. Okay, uh, I always felt like he could transition away from wrestling if he wanted to. You know, I felt like he's fully capable because what he did as a character is he kind of merged. Uh, he merged so many different forms of entertainment. He merged graphic novels with mm-hmm. pro wrestling, with Stephen King, with uh, the NXT, uh, not the, NXT, the Netflix Marvel Universe in a way, because I always credit them for kind of being one of those first avenues that took uh, soap opera television where every character on there has his own part. Like, mm-hmm. even the buzzard, like, you go to the Fiend character when he gets further along, even the buzzard was a point in which he could be a pivotal moment in this thing. The rabbit could be a pivotal moment in this thing because they represented more than just a buzzard and a rabbit. Sister Abigail might be the thing that flipped him. And, you know, I'm this character, but the fiends created, 
to both protect me and make you, whoever the person is, the unlucky person to, to wind up in this feud, mm-hmm. the fiend is here to make you capable of being my playmate. Because right. what he's going to do is he's going to, because the WWE's biggest trope, right, is that the superhero, super, they can't have like, usually Batman's not the guy they're pushing to the top. It's a Superman type guy. It's a Cena. It's a, right? And so mm-hmm. Bray would take this ultimate babyface hero, the Hulk, the Hulk Hogan, you know, vitamin version. Mm-hmm. And he would make that person find what was wrong with them. Like, what what is your, what's the chink in your armor? Like, what, and, and every person that ever dealt with him as the fiend would become, and even, even the Wyatt family, it would, you would become a different you. Because all of a sudden you would know what your flaw is. Why why your morality isn't as strong as you thought it was when you walked in the door with him. And that was true with Randy Orton. It was true with wonderful feud, by the way, the Randy Orton feud was fantastic. Um, I was a huge fan of, of the shield and, and, and the Wyatt family as well. I, th- I felt like the shield was this thing that mattered, but because of six people grew out of that feud to the point where they really couldn't be all together anymore. They were all such big stars. The clock on the shield breaking up started ticking because of that. When you saw Seth running around like crazy and Brody, Brody could throw Seth around like he was a rag doll, you know, and so could Rowan for that matter, you know, and the, the allegiances, it was just his entire body of work is so beautiful. It's just crazy. And, and the fact that, you know, he did ha- he did go away and come back. And I know, I, I feel for Triple H because I know that he was probably the guy that a lot of times had to pick up the phone and be like, look, I know what you want to do. I know what we're capable of doing. And we got to figure out how to get those two things together. You know, because given to his druthers, I'm sure that we would have gotten four and a half hours of, which would have been amazing, but of, uh, the feed, you know, at one time, and it all cin- cinematic. Like he took the one good thing about COVID was the way that he freaking took over the studio and created these scenarios. I mean, he was literally the best thing on your television for the early part, and he was so creative. And I can't like, ugh. and the thing, the other thing is. To me, he helped, like, he allowed you to look into his insecurities, which helped you deal with your own. Mm-hmm. And that's a wrestler. That's not, you know, and I, it's amazing. Do you, uh, I know we're not going to ever finish talking about this, but do you want to slide into Terry Funk a little bit? Yeah. 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 Funk yeah. is one of the great, great wrestlers of all time. Uh, you, you, you said how he affected you as an Atlanta guy. You want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So, being from Atlanta, um, I never really was that strong of a WWE guy. I always was a, 
a late era NWA going into WCW guy. Um, and so the, the, the rivalries of that era, Sting and Flair, Steamboat and Flair, um, Dusty and the Horsemen, like those are, those are the things that you, those are the things that you remember. And when Steamboat and Flair have their match, the, the the rubber match in their trilogy, and Flair wins that, and Flair wins that match, um, they have a set of judges, and Terry and, and Terry Funk's one of the one of the judges, and Terry Funk did this like pseudo retirement angle because he was doing like a lot of Hollywood stuff. He did the movie with um, Stallone. The, the over the top movie. baby yes the <laughs> <laughs> roadhouse with with swayze like yeah her phone was in a lot of movies like i was like yeah i had to sit and recognize that i was like yo like terrifying kind of carved out a, little, a nice little niche for himself in hollywood correct and um so he comes back to judge for this match flair wins he does this whole thing of having to present flair the belt um and then he hits Flair with the pile driver on the apron of the on the apron of the ring, mm-hmm. and it sets up like one of the first kind of like quote unquote hardcore matches. Mm-hmm. It's Terry Funk and Ric Flair, and it was just you, because cause this was during the time that Flair was a face, but heel Flair is a lot better than face face Flair all day. But you still wanted to hate Terry. Like, you wanted to hate Terry Falk. Right. Like, um, and that's what he was such a... Ma- he was such a master at that. Right. He was such a master at being the... Being the quote-unquote hardcore bully. Um, you know what always got me about Funk? Was there was a... I don't want to say sensitivity because I don't think that's true, but his voice cracked when he talked and he sounded a lot of times like he was crying. And it always led me to think that there was insecurities in there that drove him both into this venomous area and also drove him to the point where in both reality and in character, he would do anything to either win the match or in reality, proved to us he was giving us all he had. Mm-hmm. There was a, and I don't know if there was a real insecurity in there, or or if he, this was a part of the the character that he wanted. But he made it all. The difference between you said you you weren't a, a WWE guy, and I was talking to Ray about this yesterday, but and I was like, you know, the thing was like I, you know, being from down here too, uh, Hogan was whatever. I like Savage when I was growing up because I pretty early on I thought and it, it's I told I told Ray I decided at like fourteen or twelve that Hulk Hogan was a lying piece of crap and I have been vindic I have been validated every day of my life since then every day every day <laughs> hearing him tell those lies the other day about bringing Simon Cowell to the United States get what. You and you and Jimmy Hart wrote eight songs for kids. Come on, man. Get out of here. Anyway, point being, NWA was real. Flair was real. Funk was real. Dusty was real. 
You know, and that's what they get in. They were different too. I mean, you know, Funk was completely different cowboy than Dusty and, you know, Flair and over the top. And you're exactly right. And then the minute, you know, you, you know, I'm going to retire. I'm a good guy. And then he's back on you and his matches. People forget it. I appreciate the hardcore days. Mm-hmm. I do. Of course, having seen what you were talking about beyond the mat, it hurt a little bit to realize what he gave up for our for our entertainment. And his whole generation is dealing with that. And thank God, by the way, it reminds me, thank God for Diamond Dallas Page, who's helped a lot of those older wrestlers find happiness in just being able to move better. Right. Right. Absolutely. But um the thing about Funk that I think people forget is he was a physical stud when he was younger. A good-looking, strong cowboy that was here to show you why the way Ric Flair was going about it wasn't the way to be. Because there's that guy's not real. That's fake. I'm the real deal. And it was so beautiful and so much better than Hogan versus King Kong Bundy. Nothing against Bundy, but you get where I'm coming from. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and and then in in wanting to learn more about Terry Funk, um, I then see Terry Funk versus Stan Hansen. And Terry Funk versus Stan Hansen is like if you if you need a masterclass on um, on strong style type of wrestling, working Terry stiff. Stan Hansen is like it's impeccable, and I and and it, and it's also Stan Hansen passing the torch exactly to Terry Funk. Right? Did you, know. did you did you enjoy Cody's? speech last night about Cody is so good in those scenarios. He is like, like it, I know he doesn't know me, but I'm going to put in my, I'm going to put in my will that if Cody wouldn't mind coming and doing the eulogy, I'd appreciate it. We'll just see what happens. Absolutely. <laughs> Cody is remarkable. Uh, and then people also brought up the fact that Cody is the only, Cody is the only wrestler that have spoken at both Brody Lee and Bray Wyatt's tribute shows. Right. Well deserved. Yes, absolutely well deserved. Um, oh, and and the thing with the thing we've gotten, and and I know we're doing our own version, but so many wonderful tributes. The Seth Rollins thing you put in our group feed, I I was, I was standing on a roof doing a high school football game, uh, uh, filming it, and I had like a ten minute break before we went to air, and I pulled it up, and that was four minutes, and I like had to, I literally had to stop and get myself straight. To go on air because I was like standing up there crying, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then people are like, "What's wrong?" I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm fine. We I'm fine. <laughs> oh, like just all of the tributes that we've seen from all of the wrestlers throughout this week. Um, WWE always does well with the with the shows and all that. The the you know Bo Dallas silhouette with the the lantern in the ring. Goodness gracious! Can I, can I real quickly? I, I have heard over and over again through the years that Bray wasn't a great wrestler. 
and I want to address that real quickly because I don't I didn't want to do anything too negative. And then we'll get into a AW show real quickly and get out of here. But folks, Husky Harris was a good wrestler. Wyndham Rotunda was a good wrestler. Bray mm-hmm. Wyatt in character was still a good wrestler. The Fiend was a character. The Undertaker was fully capable of wrestling luchador style. That was not, uh, at 6'10", by the way, that was not the character. The Fiend cannot sell for his opponent in a way that Wyndham could. And a a pro wrestler staying in character throughout a match is freaking hard and talent. That is a skill unto itself. And to think that guy wasn't a good wrestler, what are you talking about? The dude was, when you talk about strong style, Wyndham wrestled that way. Mm-hmm. He was strong. That When he did a crossbody, a two-stride exploding crossbody, it looked like it split a person and then turned him into a pancake when they landed. Mm-hmm. He was so strong and so good and such a giving, like what he would do for the person he was wrestling. The Fiend couldn't do it, but he was, the Fiend was making characters better differently it it, it was highlighting you know even though like Seth's character what we have now is a direct result of the fact that Seth's character came to grips with the fact that it wasn't Superman anymore and it allowed him to recreate himself in a way that he was he was never going to get to recreate himself if a fiend didn't exist. And it ain't just him. It's everybody that went into that to that sphere, you know. Uh, in, a, uh, uh, in a way, too, Terry allowed guys to rebuild their careers, recreate their careers. Hell, ECW? Hey, when you think about Jericho being made the first AEW champion, why does it make sense? He was the biggest name. For the belt to be legitimate, even if he only had it for a day, he had to have it first. Right. ECW, Terry had to have that belt in order for them to be legitimate. And then you could then you could get Shane Douglas involved and RVD, you know, all that. That's fine. Sandman. But the first person to hold it had to be the hardcore guy because that's what we were selling. And the most yeah. iconic thing, I think, in ECW history is him Foley and chairs being thrown in there. Right? When you were when when you were watching late night TV and you saw the intro to ECW the all these chairs just being ah, it's like and they're not even trying to get out of the ring. <laughs> they're absorbing it. Okay, look, all in quickly. What's your what do you what are you most excited for with all in? to see what's going to happen in this MJF versus Cole versus um, Adam Cole match. And I am ecstatic about FTR versus the Young Bucks three. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be a shooter. Yeah, it is. Like, you know, it is (laughs) like, like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think people really understand the amount of respect that FTR and the Young Bucks have for each other, but there is there is still 
a nice amount of tension between between the two teams because of things that Dax has said on Dax has said during the podcast era of Dax of FTR with Dax and yeah like like but the young bucks have to understand that the best thing that is the the thing that is best for business if you will is for PR to win this match and cement their legacy as the greatest tag team to ever walk the face of this earth that's in the ring still right now. Yeah, you know what they're doing right this second? They're lobbying for the opposite. <laughs> they are. Tony right? Tony may not do what they want, but right now you have Chris Jericho on one side of Tony and the Bucks on the other, and they're both going, you know what nobody thinks is a good idea, but it's going to really change things up? It's me going over. Exactly. Because <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. <laughs> Will Ospreay has to win. <laughs> Jer- Jericho's pitching. Jericho's pitching. You know, no, a good comeback story is key. So Osprey losing to me down the street from his house. Exactly. Gives him the opportunity to come back and eventually take over Omega, which is what you really want, right? Get a quick Rocky story in there. All we need is, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, Tony. That's what, okay, what do you most fear? Um, that Chris Jericho. Osprey. <laughs> like, that's absolutely what I most fear. That Chris Jericho wins against Will Osprey. And I'm not even joking. I'm not even saying that just because we just jumped off of, off of that, that. That's it. Like, yeah. that really it. Will Osprey has beat... Kushida Okada and Kenny Omega within a matter of months. In order for him to submit his legacy as the best in the world going today, he has to beat Chris Jericho. Agreed. To beat Chris Jericho. Agreed. And well, you know what you know what we we really need? Somehow Osprey and Seth to get a waiver. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're going to get it, but man. Because that's the only one left for him to beat. And Punk. You you know, you're right. You're (laughs) right. Punk is, uh, he's still pretty pretty good. You know, even, he's, he's a good storyteller, and he hasn't been in there. Come on, there's, there's only one Will Ospreay. And so to say he hasn't been in there with anybody like that uh, is not, you know, he's been he's been in there with almost everybody, right? But there's only one, and at this stage in his career, as good a storyteller as he is, he doesn't normally have a canvas as broad to paint with. And, and he and Osprey, because he would be, he he could say, hey, can you do this? And Osprey be like, oh yeah, I can do that, you know. And then be like, okay, okay. Well, what about this? You know, it's like they'll. Who was it? Uh, Shawn Michaels was talking about one time the the first time he wrestled Shelton Benjamin. He said, you know, like four seconds in, I knew, oh, okay, this is going to be great because when I turn around and want him to be someplace, he's going to be there. Yeah. You yeah. know, and this is going to be the best thing, and it was. You know, it, it's. That's the way it should be. Okay. Now, Sarega, just quickly, give me your wins and losses here. MJF Cole, well, we'll save that. 
We'll save that. Well, let's go Joe Punk. Punk has to win that match in convincing and like convincing, convincing fashion because the roll up was just uh, so yeah. Punk Punk wins that, but Punk really wins that match. Acclaimed House of Black. Something's telling me that Bill that Billy Gunn is going to turn on the acclaim in some sort of way, and the House of Black is going to win this match. Did you think when he said, "My sons," or you know, "These are my boys, my sons," whatever it was, when he kind of implied they were his real children, I felt like that was the I'm going to put these guys down because I have to give my guys the rub on the way out the door. You know, okay, Soraya. This is the one that terrifies me. Soraya, Sheeta, Tony, Britt. Sheeta Sheeta eats the pen. Soraya, channel. You're so right. Okay. Uh, Pride and Powerful, uh, Blackpool Combat Club, Lucha Friends, Eddie. The Blackpool Combat Club continues their dominance and they win this match. Right. I cannot Eddie, Eddie doesn't get his Eddie doesn't get his comeuppance on Claudio until the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view where he becomes the Ring of Honor champion. Oh, I love it. I love it. Also, Pride and Powerful coming back made me so happy. I have been complaining about where they have been, because I love them. I love them. They're my favorite. They've they've been all the way back to when they were with Eddie and they were doing like remember the match in Impact where I think they they pulled the mat off of it and they just wrestled on wood. They're the best, you know. And uh I, I Antenna Ortiz are incredibly underrated. I love them. Yeah. I love them. And they can they can talk whatever you want them to do. They can flat out do it. And so yeah, I can't wait for that. Um, Sting versus Sting and Darby versus Swerve and I don't know whoever else they figured out to be there. It's it's now Brian Cage. Um, it's going to be Brian. It's not Christian. Oh no! Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, Christian. I yeah, couldn't yeah. figure out if it was Christian or Lucha or you know Christian may walk out there to do it and then just put put the Soros in there. Um, I, I I think no matter who it is, I think no matter who it is. Tony Khan wants to give Sting a better. Tony Khan wants to give Sting a better ending than what Vince tried to, than what Vince gave him at WrestleMania. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. Also, is it is there any chance that Edge closes the coffin door on Christian? I'm holding out. I'm holding out hope, but I feel like that's why they brought Nick Wayne and and I feel like that's why they brought all of them in. Right, because they couldn't, because they couldn't get Adam. Yeah, but if Adam were to go, Adam Copeland Edge were to go to AEW, there are so many things I I would like to see, culminating with Christian. You know what I mean? Or you start with Christian and then move on. But he can still go, and if he could do three matches a year, you know, get a Goldberg schedule, get an Undertaker schedule, I would be over the moon. Because I don't need Edge to carry a title around and talk every week. I just would love for him to... It would do my heart good to know he's at home with his family 10 months a year. And I'm getting him 
four weeks, but they're good, strong matches because he doesn't have bad matches to this no. day. Oh, no. uh, Osprey Jericho, you think it's going to really be Osprey though? Yeah, yeah. Over under on Fozzie performance, ten minutes. Oh yeah, they're doing a the whole song. <laughs> a whole song, and then like one more time, one more time. <laughs> it's about fourteen, fourteen minute. <laughs> <laughs> Dude is for 14 minutes. 14 minutes. <laughs> and the thing is, Wembley would allow it. That's, that's oh, dude, it's going to be the loudest thing ever. You won't be able to even hear the band. It's going to be so loud. They may do the whole world. If they do the whole world in his hands, too, because they've been doing that at Fozzie's shows right now, I'm going to be bawling. Like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Omega, Coda, Hangman, Bullet Club Gold, Takeshita. Uh, as much as I want for Bullet Club Gold to go over, the Golden Elite, the Golden Elite are going over in Wembley Stadium. Like, like you cannot have, you can't have Kota Abushi. Kenny Omega and Heyman Adam Page on a team together, and they not go, and they not go over in the biggest wrestling show ever in mankind. Yeah, the Golden Elite are going over. Golden Elite, yeah. yeah. Also, to me, with Bullet Club Gold, anytime they lose as a tag team, it just gets me closer to the Jay White solo run, which is where we got to get to anyway. Jay White. There's you can't overbook Jay White for me. Like if if you were to give me a whole show with Jay White, I would be like, that's awesome. I hope we can get a commercial of Jay White soon, in the middle of my whole show. <laughs> All right, MJ. Oh, FTR Bucks. You, you got FTR going over. Yes, have to. Yeah. Is it a bad ending to the story if the Bucks go over? Yes. It's not just a different ending. It's the wrong ending. It's, it's, it, it's absolutely the wrong one. Because the message you're sending the wrestling world, if FTR goes over, is, yeah, they left the WWE and things got better. The message you send if they lose is, you know, this is exactly how Vince would have booked it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is how he booked Sting and Triple H. Exactly. Or, right. Or, or it's also, you know, Tony's still looking out for his friends. Tony's still looking out for his friends. They still <laughs> have. They still have the cachet. They still have mm-hmm. this. Uh, the stroke, as the immortal Jeff Jarrett used to stay. Exactly. NJF <laughs> Cole. Do they win the ROH titles? No, absolutely not. <laughs> is the is the heel is the backstabbing starting then? the seeds of it but the full the, the full flower blooming is in the champ is in the championship match and jeff go over in the championship match at the end yeah he still does because we because the 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 mjf pump program needs to build it okay. needs go go ahead yeah no it needs to build okay now tell me this the minute it's over, MJF goes to pick him up. He pulls him up. Do we get the super kick then? 
that has that piece of it has to also have it has to happen at all in everything has to happen at all in or all in all in do the ticket sales is already a successful show but the the show itself what we look at on television doesn't isn't successful if some iteration of the face turn for MJF doesn't happen at all in. And in order for the face turn to happen, Cole has to be healed again. Right. Now tell me this. Do we get an Undisputed Era reunion without Fish tomorrow night? If we don't get it tomorrow night, then it happens at it happens at the next dynamite going into all out. Okay. Okay. Cause people forget all out is literally like Dude, do you you know, <laughs> you know what we got going on? We got all in, payback, Shinsuke Nakamura gets the main event of pay per view. And then we got all out. Three weeks in a row, bro. Mm-hmm. And people think like, oh wrestling, you know, People complain about wrestling now. It's like, dude, try growing up in the '80s when you're, you know, you're filling with the or the '70s when you're filling filling with the uh, antennas on your TV screen to try to get Bob Armstrong, who's wrestling literally down the street. <laughs> it is so great now. Like every night, there's something awesome on. Uh, we're fat. We're gonna wrap here, but like. Shawn Michaels is killing it booking NXT right now. Yes, he is. You know, and uh, you know, uh, WWE they they they've had a I wouldn't say they've done poorly lately, but it's not as strong as it was going into Mania, which is kind of expected. They'll get st- stewed up again here soon. Um, but then you, what AEW is doing going into the biggest show in the history of pro wrestling, and then they're going to back it up with their biggest show of the year. Give me a break, man. I appreciate you so much, Jamel. Absolutely. All right. Uh, thank you so much. Hey, I, I almost forgot, dude. I wanted, I'm going to read something that I heard Bray say the other day. Um, real quickly, um, he was asked what his legacy would be. And he said, when I got out there, I'm trying to deliver something that is important to me. There's a passion and emotion behind Every syllable I put out of my mouth, I feel like the people have really connected with that on a very deep level, not just entertainment value, but people have taken to it as life lessons, which is cool, I guess. And then he had a really awkward laugh, and then he said, maybe that's my legacy. That is his legacy. Yeah, it absolutely is his legacy. He achieved it, man. I appreciate you, folks. Thank you for listening. This is a Go Home Heat production. Check out our friends at the Game Project, DGINProject.com. Check out our friends at the Daily Smart, who are nice enough to promote this. We're also at Gamatica. If you would like to check us out and listen to us there. And folks, go home. I appreciate you so much. Thank you very much. Remarkable time. I appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Bye.